Welcome to Epic Fails, Finding Redemption in Our Stories. I'm your host, Brittany Rust, and on this show, you'll hear people from all walks of life sharing powerful stories of transformation. My hope is that as you hear stories of redemption, you'll find redemption in your own. Today, I have with me on the show, Angela Hudson, a friend of mine for many years. She currently works at Convoy of Hope, a ministry in Springfield, Missouri, where she lives with her husband and two daughters. Angela has a powerful story that God is using to encourage many. Her journey involves a hidden shopping addiction that she struggled with for many years. And just like any addiction, it had a control over her life. But let's hear it from her. Welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited that you're here too. Um, How about you share with the audience a little bit about your upbringing and what life was like for you growing up? Sure. Well, I um, am a prodigy of a single parent. Um, When I was younger, um, well, before I was born, my uh, real father was killed. He was killed in the Navy three months before I was born. And so really, it was just me and my mom for 13 years. And then um, she did marry my stepdad, who has been nothing but wonderful to me, has been a great um, addition to my life. But, you know, there were, it was difficult not growing up having that father figure during the time of such influential years and Mm -hmm. so basically you know that's kind of how I grew up and there was a lot of challenges with that a lot of struggles you know of course my mom also had me when she was just shy of her 18th birthday so in a sense even though she was raising me we were kind of growing up together Mm -hmm. and so that kind of created some challenges and she worked very very hard to to provide for me um, to the best of her abilities, and I admire her for that, and um, really am in awe of all that she accomplished during those years of also raising a child, being a mom of two girls. I don't know how in the world that she did everything that she did with going on and getting a college degree and, and a good job and all of those things, but, you know, in the same sense, there were just some struggles there as well with that. Yeah. What kind of struggles would you... Would you, um, would you mind sharing that? Oh, no. I, I think the hardest thing for um, all girls as they're growing up um, is we don't realize the importance of having a father figure in their life. And we, you know, went to church hit and miss. Like, we weren't very consistent in a church. And so having a relationship with God and understanding Him as being, you know, that father figure for me was non-existent. And I do just think there are some very pivotal Year, years where having a dad in place is so important and very crucial because I think for girls, um, it helps to validate who they are in a way of them having just a confidence and not feeling like they have to search for that approval and that validation and those things um, somewhere else. And um, that was really hard for me. When I, when I was finding myself, I you know never had had that fatherly love and so I would look for that in other places and kind of really I think was the starting point of what led me down some of the paths that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Mm -hmm. 
Um, what were you talk about kind of like where you would end up turning to? What were some of the things that you turned to growing up because you had that void? Um, well, I was very, I mean, interested in boys. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, that was, um, yeah, so I was very much boy crazy, I would say. And I think I was also very much an approval seeker. So I really, really depended on what other people thought about me and that was ever consuming. And so I do believe that just through that, you know, I, those two things, I mean, caused me to make some very bad decisions mm -hmm. and, um, getting into a serious relationship with a boy and, um, experimenting with things that I really was just too young to be a part of. And I mean, and that is hard now to look back and, and I wish I would have not jumped into a relationship or even had a relationship in high school with a boy, but that was just, I felt so solidified when that had happened. Mm -hmm. And, um, but then not only that, that approval factor, I think was so deep and I didn't really realize it, how, it, how strong that was until later in life, until, you know, I was working and in a career and those sorts of things. Um, that's kind of when that really came to the surface for me of the, the need for approval. Mm -hmm. And I think there's just something, it's not that you don't get that from a mom, but I think being a daughter and getting that from a father, um, I can't put it into words, but there's just something that happens with that. Yeah. And I look at my girls right now and their father, their dad, my husband and I, we've been married for 17 years and my girls are 14 and 16. And, and I just look at that and I think he's so involved in their life and neither one of them are very, are, they're very driven as far as their goals and what they want their careers to look like. And um, my oldest one is like, I don't really even think I want to date or get involved in any of that in high school. And I wish that would have so been the life I could have mm -hmm. lived. And I, I um, equivalent that to really the relationship they have with their dad. I think yeah, that has yeah. made such a huge impact in their life. Yeah, that's really good. And so you talk about looking for approval, perhaps in boys in high school. Were there other people you were seeking approval from? Yeah, you know, I think growing up, um, my mom did a very good job of, of giving getting me into activities. And, and her philosophy of that, too, was she wanted, if I was going to take dance or whatever it might be, she wanted me to have the experience of being at the best place possible, which I commend her again, like I said before, for, for that and really working very hard to provide an amazing life for me. But through that, too, you know, we weren't, we didn't have, with that, we didn't have a lot of extra money. I mean, like, it all went towards those types of activities. And so in, in those instances, I was, you know, around a lot, a lot of very, very wealthy kids. And so I always felt very inferior because of looking at the lifestyles that they were living and there was just this yearning and the desire for that because I felt like that would, if I had, if I was wealthy and I felt family was wealthier, then I would have, I guess you could say arrived. Like mm -hmm. then I would feel um, happier. And, you know, we say money can't buy us happiness, but I definitely felt like it was a big part of making life easier. 
And so I would see them coming in with their designer clothes and their parents driving their fancy cars and them going on these extravagant trips. And, and in my mind, I always lived vicariously through them because that was something that I so desired because I felt like that that would be something that would then, um, I don't want to use the word complete me or validate, but I think it would solidify who I was. Like, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the word and I can't right now, <laughs> but I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I felt like it would be like, um, I mean, I guess a level, create a level of import for myself, mm-hmm. like a level of importance. So again, being that person that strived for that approval, wanting to be liked by everybody, and if there was a time then because of being around that environment and the one that the, the thing that they all had that I didn't have was the money and the finance to buy these extravagant things, then if for some reason I felt like I wasn't liked, then that's the piece that was missing. Mm. And so I was so gravi- I gravitated towards that and was so drawn to that um, in a very unhealthy way. And for many years, um, that was the case for me. Sure. Um, and so that was in high school. How did that maybe carry over into your college years or what did those years look like for you? Right. Well, in college, then, um, you know, you kind of start over. Nobody really knows anybody. Yeah. So that's actually an advantage for me. But the disadvantage was is because I still had those mindsets. And again, I'm walking through all this and still don't know Jesus at all. And um you know, you're walking down, you're going to class and there's these people and they're like, Hey, here's a free credit card application. And, and in my mind, I was like, Oh, well, yeah, I'm going to apply for one of those. Cause then I can have all those things mm-hmm. and feeling like that I had that, um, money to buy things and, and, you know, to feel wealthy, I guess, like it was super empowering, empowering to, to sure. me. And so, um, yeah, I took advantage of all that. And then of course my roommate, she came from a very wealthy family. Um, you know, we would go, um, on little trips or even go on shopping sprees. And when I say on shopping sprees, like I mean on shopping sprees and you know, the thing is, is her parents would pay her bills, but I had to figure out how to pay for mine all on yeah. my own. And that really, for me, I think started a very vicious cycle of, um, accumulation of, of things and not understanding really how to manage my finances. And, um, I think that was the start of really utilizing because I had the means then, like I could get a credit card, right. no problem. the interest rate. I didn't understand anything about interest rates or all that stuff that I know now, mm-hmm. but I'm like, I can do that. And then I can, you know, yeah, I can go get whatever I want now. So that was like, um, it was secure. I felt like very secure in all of that. I felt empowered. I felt that, um, people would then look at me the way that I looked at the other kids growing up that were super wealthy Mm -hmm. that I, you know, that was in my circle. And, um, like I said, that was very empowering to me. Sure. Yeah. I kind of remember the same feeling a little bit when I got out of high school and I got my first credit card, you know, you don't realize the consequences or the, um, kind of what comes after you're swiping that card. No. Um, Yeah. I don't know if a lot of young people going to college really understanding that's Mm -hmm. definitely a trap I think for young people. Definitely. Especially for those that, um, 
are dealing with a lot of, you know, insecurities when it comes to like approval of others and, um, uh, appearance and just, um, again, it's just confidence, not yeah. having like a grounded confidence in who you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, after college, you're kind of out in the, out in the world, um, and you hit a moment, you had a moment where you hit rock bottom. Will you talk about that? Yeah, I definitely, you know, was, like I said before, I mean, even in high school, well, in in high school, obviously, you know, with the in crowd and there were lots of parties and drinking was involved in that. Well, in college, it was no different and it was magnified, you know, a hundredfold. I mean, um, you could get into pretty much any bar and, you know, I had the whole fake ID and I had all of that kind of stuff. And so I think that there was a moment where I got fed up, honestly, um, with life and where I was like, I had graduated college. I had a very good job and, um, worked for a hospital and, you know, again, but I'm a 20 something, you know, I I was grad when I graduated, I was, um, 22 years old And so, you know, I'm young and I'm not married, I'm single and, um, just having a good time, you know? So what do you do on the weekends? Well, you go out with your friends. That's just what you did. Yeah. (laughs) And so, yeah, I was definitely living that lifestyle, but there was a time when it got completely and totally out of control. And that was a moment where I think I, I don't know what it was. Well, I actually do know what it was. It's so amazing to me how God had planted people in my life and, um, that were planting seeds. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I look back now and there were even people that did that, that I didn't even realize that they had, that that's what their purpose was. And that's why I had, um, interacted with them or, um, encountered them. But, um, there was a time, you know, that I just, my roommate had gone off on a missions trip and, She'd come back and she'd gotten saved. And I just was like mad at her for a while because I was like, well, we go out all the time together. Like, what are you doing? Like, I felt so abandoned then. But that was another seed that God was just planting. And I feel like he really was chasing after me. And there was just a moment one night, and I don't know what it was. It wasn't like any major thing happened. It was just, I got home and I felt disgusted with myself. And I was like, I can't live like this anymore. Like I'm really living for self and self only. And I'm just kind of tired of this life. Like I'm tired of it. I feel like there's something more to it and I'm missing it. And the only thing I need to do was then go to church. And so I did. And that day, that was when I you know, gave my heart to the Lord and, and, um, he started me on a new journey and a new life, but it was hard. It was not easy. (laughs) Yeah. Talk about that. So it was a great experience for you, but it did not get easier. No, it didn't, you know? Um, but I think that that's something that people really, you know, have to understand, you know, they, And I'm not saying it doesn't happen for people, but for me, it didn't happen. And I think it's because God really wanted to teach me some things and really wanted me to show, wanted to show me some things for, because of where he was taking me. And, you know, I just, man, I, I got saved and it's like, I felt like all the demons were going to be gone in my life. That's honestly how I felt. And that wasn't the case. 
now it was like, oh my goodness, like, you know, they say I'm born again, I'm this new creation, but my life is the same. And I couldn't quite grasp that. And that was really, really, really hard because I'm like, how do I deal now? How do I live life? Like here I am still a 20 something and I just gave my heart to the Lord and I'm not really sure what all this means and I'm not really sure what I do next. And I still have the same friends and they're still living the same lifestyle that I now don't want to live anymore. So I felt really abandoned and isolated and confused. And so there was a time that even though I was saved, I still went out and I didn't quite uh, to the extreme that I was, you know, but I, I, cause I didn't know what to do. Like I just didn't know how to interact and I didn't have other people that were friends. And thankfully at that same time, God brought my husband into the picture and that really changed a lot of things for me, but it still was a process. Um, it wasn't that all of a sudden now I'm saved and everything's going to be so great and so easy. It actually for me was harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was equipped and I knew matter what from right, right from wrong, but those really deep things that were deep rooted in me um, weren't resolved immediately. And like I said, I think God wanted to put me through the work in order to be in a place, um, a better place so that he could use me at a greater level than what I thought. But man, when it was happening, you just don't understand and you don't really know what to do. Yeah, it's true. I think a lot of people assume that it'll all just kind of go away and it'll get easier. But in fact, you're really at, for the first time in your life, being forced to face a lot of your, um, your demons or your struggles. And that can make the season really hard. For sure. Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, is that in the midst of it, because you want to then do the right thing, well, the enemy doesn't then go away. He almost then comes into your life even at a greater pace and a greater level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. So true. You talk about how you met met your future husband and how that was kind of helpful in the journey. Talk about where, you know, you you, you met him. Where did life take you from there? Oh, goodness. Well, at the time I was teaching fitness classes and um, he worked out at the same gym where I was teaching. And honestly, it's so funny. I mean, we met at the water fountain. So, <laughs> in the gym. <laughs> and, you know, oh, yes, it was love at first sight. No, I don't know. <laughs> but um, I don't It was the craziest thing. And I don't know how we ended up connecting and going on a date. But the really funny thing I have to tell you, this is so he did get my number. He called me to ask me on a date and um, he didn't leave a message on the voicemail. But I had caller ID, if you remember the little caller ID boxes. that yeah. we And I saw that he called and I called him back. And I don't know why I did. Well, I was probably a little bit of a, a little aggressive still, but uh, <laughs> I called him back. And to this day, he says he doesn't know if he'd ever get the nerve. He would have ever gotten the nerve to try to call me again. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, yeah, when we went on our first date, um, I didn't know that he was a Christian. And um, I had told him because back then where we lived and, um, in Springfield, Missouri, it was a lot smaller even than it is today. In the 20-somethings, there was very few of us, and we all kind of ran around together. And so because of people that were 
at the fitness center that we both knew. And I just wanted him to know and be like, hey, I don't know what you've heard about me, but, you know, two weeks ago I gave my heart to the Lord and I'm really trying to change my life. And he, you know, grabbed my hand and he was like, that is the best decision that you could have ever made. I'm so excited for you and what God has for you. And so to hear that from somebody like that was, appear like I just needed to hear that no matter where the relationship went from there now of course I thought in that moment I think I'm gonna marry this guy (laughs) (laughs) I don't think he thought that about me but (laughs) myself into no (laughs) Um, but uh you know he really you know really helped with then creating some stability and in all of that for me so we got two years later we got married and then we moved away to Colorado so we lived there for a couple of years and now I've been married for 17 almost 18 years yeah that's awesome I love that so a lot a big part of your story is um, a shopping addiction that you struggled with for many years so let's let's talk about that when did the shopping begin to take shape or that need for it or addiction well, obviously, like I said before, that need for for things, um, I felt created a better life. And again, you know, that started from the exposure that I had. Um, I don't know why that I was created to love fashion and clothes and, and just all those things, but I just, I always have. Like, I just, you know, I'm very much a girly girl. Like, I love makeup and shoes and accessories and my nails done and yeah. that's just like that's how God created me I have no idea um I like to get my hair done and I like you know I I those are just things that that I love that I've always loved and so I think it evolved you know from childhood to having that yearning and desire for things because I felt like, again, that created a much more comfortable and easier life. And I had had a hard life. And so for some reason, I thought that then you move fast forward to college and then it's like so easy. You pretty much sign your name and they give you a credit card. And then, um, so, you know, there was accumulation there. And then um, fast forward to salvation Um, Yeah, you know, I was managing those debts that had accumulated, not knowing that I had a problem. Mm. And I think that's really important um, that, you know, never recognizing it as such. And then you fast forward and then now you're married and you have a, you know, a partner. And my husband and I, I think this is really important too within our marriage is that we're both only children. So there is definitely something I think is called an only child syndrome (laughs) where we can be very selfish and, um, but we've really made it work obviously, but, um, you know, so then you have a partner. And so then all of a sudden it's like your money isn't just your money and how you spend it isn't just up to you. It's like, you're married. Like you have to start having those kinds of conversations. And I was like, ugh. And so I think even though this is, you know, really where I feel like I, I would say it became an addiction, and I'll tell you why here in a moment, why I would say this is when it became that. 
I still, you know, had been saved and was walking with the Lord. Um, but I think that just because I was walking with Jesus, and this is so important, that doesn't mean there's not underlying issues that through that journey that are not going to be revealed. And I feel like Jesus, God, you know, reveals them in a certain time to where you can really handle them and make the headway that needs to be made in order for you to get to the destination of where he's taking you. And because I look back and people was like, well, you know, you were with walking with the Lord. And I'm like, it doesn't mean that we don't have things that the enemy isn't in full force. And there's things that still are yet to be revealed to make us a better of who God created us to be, but getting married, um, you know, when all of that, you know, everything merges and becomes one, um, that to me was really when I feel like it became more of addiction. And because I was so ashamed of that's when the shame came. And because here I knew what, I knew what was right And I knew that, um, you know, marriage, what it meant. And I wanted my marriage to last, but I also still love to do these things and spend money and shop. And so what did I do? Well, I knew it probably wasn't right. So what did I do? I hid it. And I, when you hide things and you feel shame from it, then that's when it's a problem mm-hmm. before it was only, I was only dependent on myself. Yeah, it was still wrong and I still had a problem, but I didn't really realize I had a problem until then. And I will tell you one story about that when it was really revealed and, you know, I had had a daughter by then and, you know, little girl's clothes are so cute. And I also had to deal with the issue that I wasn't going to have my daughter ever feel any of the feelings of, of, um, lack uh, thereof that I felt growing up. So yeah, she was going to always be dressed super cute. And again, creating this persona of being somewhat wealthy. And, but I traveled for business and there was a time I had it so planned out. Like I knew when, and this time they still mailed credit card statements. So I knew when they would be mailed. I knew when they would hit the house. I knew like I had, I knew when I needed to get the mail out of the mail. So he didn't see the bill. And, you know, I knew we did have, we had, um, our own, we have one checking account, but then we all, we both had our own just for like our play money. And we came to that agreement together so I could pay those bills out of my own stash and it would be fine. And he wouldn't know. Well, one day I was on a business trip and, um, I got delayed. And so I had to stay an extra night and into an extra day. Well, I knew there was going to be some credit card statements hit the mail the next day. That's just the date they always came in. So I got home from that business trip and all I wanted to do was to get home and see my babies. And there were credit card bills on the counter with the balances highlighted. And he was like, we need to have a talk. And I was like, oh my gosh. I even talking about it, I'm taken back to that moment of just, man, um, shame and disappointment and, um, a little defensive and I was like, 
oh, my secret's out kind of a thing. And that is like the worst feeling ever. I don't even know how, any other ways to put it into words. Um, but that was a moment because he said to me, and I'll never forget these words. He said, you know, I love you. And you know that I think you're amazing. He said, but you're hiding stuff from me and you're hiding stuff with me regarding our finances. And he's like, we can't be dishonest with each other. And the one area you're being dishonest with me is through our finances. Mm. And I was like, I never had thought of it that way before. And I never had looked at it that way. And, oh man, I felt so ashamed of myself. Just, uh, I mean, I don't even know how to even put it into words. Right. Low, low, low. And, of course, he was very forgiving. He has showed grace upon grace to me um, in multiple situations. And you would th- and you would think and that. So then I was like, man, I think I have a problem. Mm-hmm. But not to the fact of where I was like, I got to get help. And fortunately, we had funds to be able to take care of it and pay, pay it off. And, 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 you know, it was a process. But I will tell you shamefully, and I'm not proud of this, that that wasn't the only time that I found myself in that situation. So the the addiction didn't go away. You know, that moment didn't automatically just, because I think a lot of people will feel shame for a sin or something they're struggling with. Um, And that doesn't mean that it's automatically going to go away though, right? I mean, it didn't happen that way for you. No, it did not. And I would say that, you know, um, there was a time even Michael in a different situation he was like how many times are we going to have to go through this and I was like I don't know and it was like why couldn't I get victory over this like I just didn't understand it and like I have prayed it away I'm like God why can't you help me with this and I think that what I was missing is that with this particular thing because I think with shopping and those things like I'm ex- we're exposed to it so much like it is yeah, everywhere yeah. we go like it's even at the grocery store Walmart at Target it doesn't matter like there's there's stuff everywhere I mean and it wasn't that you just don't go to the mall well no I mean it's online now it's on Instagram now it's on Facebook now it's on you know it's like constantly if you're a person who struggles with that it's like always there yeah Um, and so I think for me um that just it, it wasn't about coming to a place of like being like, okay, God, heal me of the addiction. I had to change and say, God, equip me on how to handle it. Mm, That's good. And I think there's a big difference in that because, um, I don't think I still shop, but I've created other boundaries around that, which we can talk about in a minute. But I don't think that the desire, I mean, as much as I long for to be completely healed of the desire of, wanting to buy things um I feel like I'm going to be better equipped and can help people better if I learn how to deal with it and and what I need to do in order to have victory over it in each moment not victory over it just as a whole that is the desire of my heart Mm. but for some reason I'm not I'll just be honest I'm not there yet but I do feel like I get victory over different circumstances and different moments mm-hmm. when dealing with this. Yeah, those are really good tips. So, you know, you're not, 
you wouldn't say you're uh, you've arrived, right? Mm. Um, but you've probably learned a lot about yourself through the journey. Maybe talk about um, what you've learned about yourself through this um, this journey. Cool. I would say that you know, obviously, I've learned for some reason I do like clothes and shoes and you know, those things, I'm just drawn to it automatically. So I will really have to put those boundaries up, you know, when I'm going into an environment and being exposed to any of that, you know, and having two daughters, you know, they, they want to go to the mall and those things. So, um, I have to definitely, um, be prepared for those times and then, um, celebrate, the successes, but not beat myself up too badly when I make a purchase that probably wasn't necessary. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, God extends us grace. And sometimes in order to truly understand the grace that God gives us, we have to understand how we give grace to ourselves. And um, so I think that would be one. So grace has always been really hard for me, but I think I've grown in that a lot. And it's not that it's a free ticket for me to make mistakes, but it's when those times when I have that gap in the door just a little bit open and the enemy comes in and I get into a moment of, of uh, making a, a, a bad decision financially, then, you know, it's like, okay, we've got to just get back on the right path and not wallow in that moment. Mm-hmm. So I would say that grace would be one thing. The other thing is, is that I didn't really ever understand tr- how much um, approval of others was so important to me. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest thing, just still growing in my relationship with the Lord that I'm still learning, but I've come a long way, is that people or things are not what validates who I am. It's only our Lord Jesus Christ is who validates who I am. Mm-hmm. And he created me for a purpose. And if I can cling to that and keep on the, you know, putting one foot in front of the other as he keeps revealing different pieces of the purpose that he has me on earth for being focused on that is way more energizing and exciting than going and buying a new handbag or a pair of shoes. So, um, but understanding, really understanding that that's where your true validation comes from. Our time on earth is, uh, is limited, but our time in eternity is vast. So it's just a matter of really keeping that in perspective. So I definitely feel like that God's really been working on me with the whole approval part and being accepted and wanting to be liked by everybody and all of that, because that played a big part. And I never really put the two and two together. And then, of course, not having a father growing up, um, you know, that's hard. And But I have to then, instead of being like, well, not having a dad, um, yeah, partly created me who I am today, but I could sit and camp on that instead of changing my perspective of like, yeah, I may not have, may not ever know my dad here on earth, but if I keep my focus on where it needs to be focused and that's on Jesus in heaven, I'm going to get to see my dad and actually meet him someday. Mm -hmm. And when you really think of it that way, it completely changes the way that you think about all of this stuff. And so Um, I would say that those are probably the three biggest things, you know, um, understanding about that the Lord is who is going to validate me and that he does have a plan and purpose for my life, that grace is real 
and God does provide that to us, but we also have to understand how to extend that to ourselves. And then again, the third thing is, is that just keeping my eye on the right thing. And that is, you know, um, our time on earth is short. Um, so keeping our eye on eternity and what that's going to look like. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Um, I want to talk about just for a second, because I think there's going to be some people out there listening, perhaps some women out there who have are struggling with this as, as well. And either they don't see it or they keep it hidden because maybe they're ashamed or they don't want people to know. What would you say to those people? Well, I would say first and foremost, like one of the things that um, I didn't I failed to hit on a little bit was, you know, when we say shopping addiction People have laughed at me. They've been like, how in the world does somebody have a shopping addiction? Um, Well, it's a real thing. If it wasn't a real thing, our country would not be carrying the amount of debt that we carry um, as individuals. And so it's real. Um, You know, that that whole thing of keeping up with the Joneses and striving to – have the greater lifestyle that maybe our neighbors have or whatever that might be. Um, It's a real thing. And most of the time I can tell you that when you're in those situations and that you come out of a store and you've got bags and bags of things that you just put on a credit card, you felt a little bit of euphoria during that time. Sometimes it may have been an out of body experience that you would quote unquote it as, um, But all of those things, the things that the brain walks through in that moment is the same thing that a person is walking through when they are um, heading to go and pick up their drugs to get their high. So it's just the way that, you know, our our brains tend to be wired. But we walk through the same process. The adrenaline starts flowing, the excitement, then you feel better, all of those things. So it is a real thing. And I would say if anybody is struggling with that, I would say one, um, you know, there isn't a lot out there for this. But if you felt... I do feel like looking back, I would have benefited from some counseling. So I definitely would encourage that, um, you know, to seek a counselor because most of the time that I, all that I've researched with this is there is a root of where this has come from and why, um, this desire to accumulate more and spend more is very um, empowering to you. So I definitely would say that, um, I'm also, you know, Brittany available if anybody ever wanted to you know, reach out to me. I'm not sure how that would work, but I would love to talk with them and um, just answer any questions that they have or even just be of a support because the first time when I started realizing it as an addiction, I didn't feel like people believed me that it was a real thing. And that was really disheartening because I was like, I'm doing the research. It is real. It is a real problem. And I just didn't know where to get any support from. Yeah. And And I definitely... And we can definitely put a way on the website for people to be able to reach out to you. Yeah. And I think the third thing is, is that if you're not in a church and you don't know Jesus, you can, I mean, any of those things I said, whether you reach out to me or you get a counselor, you're never going to understand what kind of armor that you need in order to be equipped to have victory over each time you're faced with um, the temptation and so first and foremost, if you don't know Jesus, I would highly encourage you to 
Um, accept Jesus into your heart and start walking with him, get in his word and really be encouraged by that. And the desires of your heart will change. I'm telling you, um, your desire to be and spend time with him will far outweigh your desires to want to go and spend and rack up credit cards at the mall or online or whatever it might be. And getting connected to a church, because I think those things really will strengthen you in this journey that you're on. As you've heard, Angela has struggled with a shopping addiction for many years, one that stems from um, a desire to have approval from people. She didn't have a father for many years growing up, which left a void of that approval. And then also growing up with people who had a lot in life and wanting that in return and how this started uh, a journey for her of um, an addiction to shopping and how she hid that for many years. And even though um, God has been working in her life and she's learned how to manage it, it's not something that's completely gone away. And I think um, for anyone out there with an addiction, because shopping can be an addiction. I think we think of alcohol or drugs or sex as only an addiction, but an addiction is something that has control over your life, something that brings shame, something that's hard to shake, something that you want to hide. And that was something that was very real for Angela and I think is very real for a lot of ladies or even men out there who uh, have to want to obtain more and more and they're trying to hide it and they're building and accumulating debt. Um, Shopping is an addiction, but Angela has learned um, through the power of God in her life and um, just walking the journey for many years on how to have boundaries and to manage that and I think there is some really good lessons she shared with us that we can all learn from because we're all struggling with something if we're honest, uh, whether that be gossiping or lying or drinking or whatever that might be for you. Um, she has some great boundaries that I think are helpful. So um, she's got a powerful testimony, um, but we're going to hear about where she is today. about a little bit um, what life is like for you today. Oh, life for me today. Well, (laughs) um, it's very adventurous. You know, I have a 14 and 16 year old, both girls. And so it's so funny because one does love to shop and one hates to shop. So that's kind of good. I think God knew I needed a balance of that. (laughs) Loved it and we'd all be in trouble. Right. Um, But, um, you know, like I said, I'm married. Um, I work a full time job and just have this heart for ministry and just really connecting with girls and. Um, and I really do have a heart for women and girls of all ages that struggle with this, um, because I want more than anything. I, I want to help them to see that the struggles and things that I've went through, I would never want, wish that on anybody else. So if mm-hmm. I can somehow say anything or do anything to help them to get them on a track where they won't have to experience the, the level that I have, 
then that's what I really do feel like partly what I'm here on earth to do. And, you know, life is really, really good. God has been really amazing. And, you know, I still, all of this stuff that I have said today, I still every single day have to put into practice for myself. And um, it's not always easy. I'm just going to say that it's not always easy. But the more that I pray for that and pray for the victory in each circumstance, um, the easier it gets. And my heart completely is turning from what the world sees as valuable to what God sees as valuable. But yeah, it's, it is a journey. It's a process. And, um, but I'm, I'm really happy um, and where God has taken me and what is to come and just the path that he has me on. And that far outweighs anything that I could ever buy in a store. Yeah. I love that. That's so good. (laughs) (laughs) If you could share anything with the audience, what would it be? I would say that no matter where you're at, I think it's so important for you to understand. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter you know, your upbringing, it doesn't matter, even the situation you're in right now, but that God has a plan and purpose for your life. He is chasing after you. If you're listening to this today, he is chasing after you and he wants you to know that. And it doesn't matter. And I love, love, love stories in the Bible over and over and over again. God used the unequipped. He used those that had passed. He used those that um, had, um, you know, had lived sinful lifestyles to build his church. And I always love to say he doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And no matter if it's in a secular setting or if you're feeling a stirring in your heart to go into ministry, he does have a plan and purpose for your life. And I really feel like there's a movement that's happening and it's time for us all as believers and those that maybe are not believers yet to grasp hold of that and take a stance and stand on his word and stand strong and really be in ministry no matter where we're at. It doesn't mean that you have to be on the platform or a pastor or whatever it might be, but take hold of the plan and purpose he has for you and where he's planted you and do something with it. That's so good. I mean, we could have just done that section and I think (laughs) the podcast would have been phenomenal. (laughs) Thank you. I prayed a lot. So honestly, I don't take credit for this. I just was like, Lord, just anoint my words. Use me as the vessel to speak what you want people to hear. So he's good that way. He is. That's so good. Well, Angela, thank you for joining the show today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Today you got to peek into the story of a person who went through a difficult situation, one many might relate to. If you do, and even if you don't know what um, shopping addiction is like, but maybe you can relate to some of the feelings she felt like shame, um, be encouraged to know that your story doesn't end with a difficult situation. It's a scene in your story, but it's not the end of your story. Angela mentioned that if there was somebody out there who wanted to connect with her, about a a shopping addiction they're going through um, that she would love to be able to connect with you. So if you go to my website, brittanyrest.com and go under the podcast and select Angela Hudson, 
I have on there her her website and her email address. Thank you for joining me today. If this podcast is something that is ministering to you or you think others might find interesting, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. A review helps this podcast grow, which helps to get the word out to people who might need to hear this story of redemption. Tune in again in two weeks for another powerful story of redemption. In the meantime, you can find more information about me, read weekly devotionals, and find out what I'm doing around the web at www.britneyrest.com. I'll see you next time.